podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to your post-match Raw on AI Pro. I'm Trev Downey, podcasting to you here from my field in beautiful rural Ireland as always. And I'm joined tonight by Jim Boardman and Dave Hendrick to look back on Liverpool's 2-0 home win against Wolves again at Anfield. The fourth time of asking that we play them this season. It's nice to finally have that particular fixture out of the way. And Dave, it is also nice to be talking about a comparatively routine Liverpool win. Loads of nuance for us to get into, but on the overall, in the big scheme of things, it was a deserved win. Um, and I think about the right scoreline to reflect the comparative level of dominance. That's my opinion. Yeah, no, I fully agree. 15 shots to four, six on target to one. We had another goal ruled out. Um, it, I, I thought we played well. I, I thought the energy, the attitude of the players was so much better than the dross that we witnessed at the weekend. Um, obviously, the three of us did the Palace game. And the the big takeaway I think all three of us had were that the, the lack of effort was was quite striking. I thought tonight we saw real effort and intensity from the players and it was a bit scruffy and they did have a little bit of a clogged toilet approach to the attacking play where everything got a bit stodgy and and whatever. But there's no real inventive player in that team outside of Harvey with Trent in the kind of form he's been in. So that's kind of what you expect. But all things considered, we kept going, we kept working, I thought it was good that Jürgen didn't make changes early and look to bring on, you know, the the players who set the standards and such. He let the lads that he picked just do the job and they got the job done. 2-0, happy days. Now, I'm going to get an early gripe out of the way. Because it wouldn't be raw if uh, one or other of us didn't have an early grumble. I'm just flagging this up. I've got one as well, so I'm hoping yours is not the same as mine. Well, I I feel it maybe. I'm I'm delighted with the changes. I was genuinely delighted with the changes. And I don't want to um, start the show on a sour note, but like, uh, and and everybody knows I'm a a massive fan of Harvey Elliott as player, but when will our manager stop playing people who are not midfielders in midfield? It's 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 starting to get quite tedious, isn't it? Uh, it is. I, I, it is. But at, it's, at it's, the it's moment, not. It's not fair. Trev, who do you it's trust? It's not fair on this kid. Like who do you trust? You, you look at that bench tonight. We've seen what Henderson and Milner can offer, and it's it's both negative impact. The other option there is Ox, because I, my assumption is Curtis Jones is is injured or locked in Klopp's basement or something. So do you want to bring Ox in out of the cold when he's barely played in months and hasn't really played in midfield in a couple of years for us? At least Harvey's been getting regular game time. I think that midfield that we saw tonight is the midfield until Thiago comes back. Thiago Mm. takes Harvey's spot. And I think Thiago, Fabinho and Stefan is the midfield we should be rolling with till the end of the season because... I think it's the one that will give you the best balance. But I think when you play Harvey with Fab and Stefan, at least those two, it's two ball winners. It's not like when you play him with Fab and Thiago, 
where Thiago's obviously a good ball winner, but you don't want him doing the David Batty impression. You want him being the one getting on the ball and making things happen, which kind of makes Harvey redundant. So I'm okay with Harvey as long as it's those two. I'll be better with it when Diaz comes back and it can shift to more of a 4-4-2 with Diaz as a, as a left winger and Harvey kind of floating in the right-hand side. And just Fab and Stefan kind of sitting in midfield. I think that can work as well, but it's not ideal, but it's better than the other options. And that's, it, it's a damning, it's a damning in, in, indictment of the absolute state of our midfield options that you, and the fact that Jurgen has allowed this to happen really does, you know, mark his card quite badly. I, I think that's that's all fair. And again, it's just to get that out of the way, because I'm going to be saying things kind of sideways as we go along, and I, I don't want it to be um, misinterpreted as, as a sneaky moan. I want to say it up front <laughs> so it can, I can annoy people early, Jim. Uh, so, I mean, as we said, the, 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 the main thing here is that we have this slender hope of uh, attaining top four. It depends on what level of uh, optimism you are as a natural person, I think, whether it's slender or, 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 or it's getting a little bit more chunky around the hips. Um, but to me, it's still a, it's still a long shot. Um, and what we need to do is just keep winning. <laughs> We couldn't manage that at the weekend, and it was very disappointing the last time the three of us got together to chat about Liverpool outing. This uh, far improved showing, and I said to Dave that it, it felt to me it was very deserved. What I did like about it was the re-emergence of a few things, the Fabinho um, telescopic legs getting involved, Fabinho in the opponent's box, a couple on a couple of occasions. Trent looking far more Trent like linking the play beautifully. Mo raiding, Mo scoring. Uh the only thing that would have made that whole night a little bit more perfect would have been Darwin Nunes' goal going in because again He's a kid we all are very excited about and he offers us a certain extra quality. I think everybody, nearly everybody, even in, in the, the riven fan base that we have, seems to love Darwin Nunes. So a huge amount of like Jim in terms of little individual features we can pick out of. Yeah, definitely. I mean, one of them, I think for me, is the fact there's a little bit more of um, of a decision to make for Klopp in terms of who he can put on the pitch. I mean, that was Cody's... I think that's the first time Cody's had a rest since he joined and it's the 1st of March. So, you know, it's, it's maybe the first night that Klopp's been able to, to sort of pick and choose which of his four current players are available for the front three. And as you say, Harvey... I think with Harvey Elliott, he, he gives some... Um, some energy in midfield, if you like, compared to what our old men, um, Hendo and Milner give, which is, you know, we, we were sort of bemoaning a lack of effort the other day, but, you know, you can't make an effort if you've got no energy. And that's what it feels like at times, or it has felt like. I mean, I thought it was interesting today how different we were in the second half to the first. The first, there was still a lot of this, um, you know, playing out from the back. And then after about three passes, just passing it straight to one of them, you know, passing a, a slightly too long pass, slightly inaccurately. And they're just waiting to pounce on it. And that's been, feels like that's been a hallmark of our game recently. 
Um, second half, we didn't seem to do that quite so much. There was more, I don't know. I mean, the thing is, you, you, you're playing out from the back and you're playing a pass. You, you've got to have players moving for it. And when they're not moving in the right way, you're not going to get the best pass for them, are you? And so again, we were just so much more energetic. But, um, I mean, that second half was, it literally was, if anyone hasn't seen the game yet and they're listening to this, I would recommend, personally, I would recommend go to halfway. Um, just watch from the second half onwards because that's when everything really seemed to happen. And, and maybe the halftime score nil nil was kind of a fair reflection because we hadn't really done anything to deserve much out of it at that point um but neither had they but second half i think the real score should have been three nil you know that that would have been more representative of how we played and it it feels like we're it feels like finally tonight there's signs of us remembering who we are and what we can do but we've my, my big worry about this my big caution is we've said this more than once this season you know we, we can go through the season and look at little games where we thought oh here we are we're, we're starting to do our, be ourselves again next game just screw it all up so you know the, the important thing from this tonight is that we go away from this and not think job's done go away and think right you've started to do some things right now keep keep doing those things right Speaking of, let's talk about the chosen lineup tonight um, from uh, Klopo. Uh, we've already alluded to a couple of things. We saw uh, Ibu Kanate come back alongside Virgil van Dijk, and that was, I think, a little bit of a bam to all our spirits. Uh, Trent uh, continued at right back with Costa Simicus coming in at left. Um, the midfield that he went with, as we've said, was Fab uh, Central and Bacetic and Harvey uh, either side of him and around him. And again, just to flag up, what I'm saying there is I, I, I want to be very clear about this. I think Harvey Elliott is a really good footballer. You talk about energy. I think he has talent. Um, he, we know he can score a goal. He's got an eye for a shot and an effort. But it's always been the defensive thing and it just felt a bit like with Mo doing Mo stuff and Trent in the form that he was in, I was thinking, Oh my god, why do we why do we keep doing this to the poor kid? But as as Dave said, it probably comes down to a stultifyingly bad lack of option uh, or a stultifyingly uh, awful uh, selection of options and up top we had Salah we had Diogo Jota central and Darwin Nunes on the left now talk to me about that in the light of on the bench we had Milner Bobby Firmino Jordan Henderson the Ox mentioned earlier on Cody Gakpo who you brought up Andy Robertson sitting one out for once Fabio Carvalho who clearly is a hologram now Joel Matip and Cuevine Keller what was your, what was your take on 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 the selection first of all the thinking behind it and um those on the bench who potentially could have been involved yeah i mean the first of all i mean when i actually saw the lineup i saw it on my phone and i was just really for some reason scrolling very slowly and when i scrolled down and saw canata and i actually my eyes did sort of light up and i did think here we go this is you know these are our best two um central defenders then scrolled a little bit more and costas was in and i thought oh hang on but that kind of makes sense as well because something I said the other day was I thought Robbo played really well and I wondered whether it was, you know, just a coincidence that Costas was on the bench. One of the, you know, the only member of the back four who really could have thought there's somebody out there who could take my place tonight and, you know, I've got to, I've got to play better than that. So, so. I was, in a way, I was glad to see Costas come in. But on the other hand, you know, it's typical that Robbo put in one of his best games for a while the other day, in, in relatively speaking, compared to the rest of the team, and he misses out. But this, this is what we need. We need these players that, you know, you play well one game and maybe you do need to rest the next, and and that's important too. Um, and again, I think 
I mean, the front three, I think we've now got four fit players. It was delightful to see Nunez back because I think we all know he, he's sort of just getting a little bit better bit by bit, game by game. And he's really going to be, um, showing his value for money, I think, before too long. Um, and so then it's a case of which, which three of the four do you pick? And in, in my view, if anyone was going to miss out, maybe it would have been Salah, but Cody needed a rest. It's his first one he's had. And that just then takes you back to the midfield and you're like, well, Stefan has got to start. He's the young lad who is basically our best midfielder at the moment. Um, whether that's the case when everyone's fit and well, I don't know. Maybe we could argue about that, but he's certainly the best of the ones available. Um, so he's then who else do you put in there? And I mean, Fabinho tonight actually showed a bit of Jekyll and Hyde, but you know, before the game started, you're wondering which Fabinho is going to turn up. And as it was, it turned up both, turned out both of them did. Um, but my, 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 I really felt this was a team that could go out there and do something. And, um, I think that showed itself, even though we weren't great in the first half, we definitely weren't awful. And the way we've been playing lately, that's a massive increase on where we've been. Are you that person who has everything? The coolest merch and those must have fan threads. Well, over at our Anfield Index shop, we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection. From our popular range of bespoke design T-shirts, sweaters, hoodies and hats, to our signature edition mugs, prints and coasters, all provided with fast worldwide shipping. We have something for every red. We also stock official LFC merchandise and are licensed with the Premier League and UEFA to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches. As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. Just head over to anfieldindex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index. And Kelly, just spin one thing at you as well, and this is not to waste too much time on a thing that has not happened yet, but do you read anything into the people on the bench today in terms of the Manchester United game? If we take it as a given that Robbo will step back in, Despite Klaus has shown very well in the second half, um, do you see any other kind of glaring obvious ones? Would you imagine the captain comes back in? And if so, is the captain coming back in for Harvey the only other change you would envisage? Or does Cody Gakpo come back in against United again? How do you see that one? Like, a, the, Can you read much into that in relation to the weekend? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I can imagine. I mean, it, it would be a shame because I think I think Jota played well tonight, but I, I can see Gapo being in for him at the weekend. And I think the way Klopp is, it feels inevitable that he's going to want Henderson in for this game. He's going to want the skipper, the man with the armband that maybe isn't the Henderson he used to be. But, you know, as, as we said a few times, Klopp maybe thinks he is the Henderson he, he used to be. And in all honesty, if Hendo can't get himself up for that game, then... You know, he needs to hand that captain's armband back and, you know, go and find something else to do. He's got to raise himself for that game. So, yeah, I think other than that, though, I think if everyone's fit, Robbo obviously comes in. Um, Hendo will probably come back in for Harvey, um, I would say, because I, I can't see him. Um, I think it, it'd be too much of a luxury maybe to, to drop Fabinho and Bashi ticket for that, for back to that game. So, um, so yeah, and I think, I, I do think Cody will be back for that one. 
Yeah, it feels that way. All right. Dave, you want to mention the Liverpool lineup? Go ahead before you get cracking on the Wolves. But just for the benefit of those who haven't seen uh, the game, they went with obviously Jose Sa and Goal, Kilman and Dawson. Uh, Dawson tonight. I mean, we made Dawson at times look like Beresi instead mm. of some sort of a pound shop, <laughs> uh, Harry Maguire, which He's is a what he's. Fucking yard dog. Like that guy was oh. a yard dog a decade ago with West Brom. And we've yeah. played them twice now. I know I will say I'm assuming we're going to go on to ref watch in a while. Oh, I think we also event. need to introduce commentators corner. Yes, uh, both, for Stephen both Warnock. Yes, both um, will be involved. Uh, Warnock was very excited about Dawson tonight. But to be fair to Dawson, like he he was quite central in the game because an awful lot of our uh, passing was less than expert at times, and it was meat, meat and drink, as they say in the uh, cliche corners uh, to a lad like that. They had uh, Bueno and Semedo in full back, Lamina and Neves, and then ahead of them, Nunes, um, Mateus Nunes, um, Moutinho, uh, Sarabia, and Raul Jimenez, nominally up top. Um, it's a strong looking team, Dave, and we know a lot about a lot of these players on their bench tonight. They had Ryan Aitnour, who came on and looked good uh, for Bueno when he got injured. Nathan Collins was on there, and Pedro Neto. Daniel Podence came on. Johnny was on the bench as well. Uh, Bentley, uh, Diego Costa came on. Joe Gomez came on, as did uh, old Oily Arms, Adama Traore. So, I mean, it's a, it's a solid, solid Premier League squad. And um, you look at the table, um, and that's, you know, a very interesting thing to do. Uh, and, and you think... This guy is getting a lot of kudos um, and, you know, they they really should be doing a hell of a lot better between him and the previous guy than they are. Yeah, I, I, I this is one of the, the great mysteries of the season is how they've been so poor. But, I mean, you can look at West Ham and say the same. You can look at us and Chelsea and say the same. Uh, that is, without question, a top half squad. Now, the issue for them is they don't have a goal scorer. Jimenez was never a big-time goal scorer before the head injury, but since the head injury, he's clearly he's half the player. Um, so they don't really have that kind of focal point number nine. But there's a lot of quality in the squad. It, it's some bizarre decisions, though. I mean, Matthias Nunes is a left winger. The guy's a really good central midfielder. I may well be playing central midfield for us next season, but he's not a left winger. I, I can kind of understand that he was there to track the runs of Trent. And I thought he did that quite well in the first half. And he had one phenomenal dribble where he beat about six of our players. But he's not a left winger. And you're just, you're absolutely wasting him playing him there. Uh, Hugo Bueno at left back. I'm sorry. I know he's a young kid, but no Bueno. That's, (laughs) Ray Nuri is a much better left back than him, both going forward and defensively. And Ray Nuri has a track record of just putting the clamps on Salah, which is about as high a praise as you can give a left back in the Premier League. And if Costas is leaving in the summer, which has been rumoured that he wants to go and start somewhere, Nuri is someone who should be high on our list to come in as a backup to Robbo, who could potentially replace Robbo and become first choice. Like He is a top, top talent. Um, look, they've got... Yeah, Dawson's a yard dog, but he he he's got a lot of experience. Kilman's a solid centre back. I do quite like him. He's someone that I think could play for a club with 
you know, European ambition. I think he'd look quite good on the left side of Spurs back three, as an example. I love Ruben Neves, and I always have. And if if things were a little bit different and we played a slightly different way, I'd love Ruben Neves in our midfield. But you couldn't play him there with Fab and Stefan and Thiago. There just wouldn't be enough legs. What do you think um, of Slamina, kid? Do you know he's a funny player? Because I always liked him. He came to Southampton. He was absolutely atrocious. Like, one of the worst players in the league for a couple of years with Southampton. He went on loan to Fulham the last time they were up. And he had a really good season, him and Zambo Anguisa in midfield. And if not for the absolutely dreadful management of Scotty Two Coats Parker, um, I think they would have stayed up. But he was really good that year. He's been at Nice. He did well at Nice last season. He's come into Wolves and he's been he's been really good for them. Like he's a really aggressive ball winner. He adds a physicality and a a pace of play that they were lacking because you know when you're playing Neves and Moutinho, as as talented as they are on the ball, they're quite one paced and they're not the most physical of players. They don't really enjoy getting all that stuck in. Um, whereas he loves it. He lives to get absolutely knee-high on somebody. Uh, I want to talk about him later when we discuss Paul Tierney, but no, I do quite like Lamina. I think for the, what they paid eight million for him, I don't think you can really argue. Um, I'll always love Joe Matinho. He's just, he's a wonderful little player. And, uh, Sarabia wouldn't be for me. He just wouldn't be. That right side, Semedo and Sarabia just wouldn't be for me. Question, question for you, Dave. Do you think Wolves played tonight? The lineup had any eye on their weekend game against Spurs? Were they resting anyone for that? Are we not as big a challenge as maybe we we'd like to think we should be? No, I don't think so. I think if we, like, if you look at the bench, Nuri is better than Bueno, but Bueno has been largely first choice under uh, Lopetegui. Collins is the one who lost his spot to Dawson when Dawson came in in January. Um. Maybe, maybe Neto, maybe they held Neto back rather than giving him the last 15 to 20. He's a really good player. If he, he could stay fit, he, he is somebody I'd really like us to look at. He's had a couple of bad injuries, so it's probably best to pass on him. Pedence, I always think Pedence is like the the lost, less talented Hazard. Like, he's... Got a very similar build to Eden Hazard, plays the game a similar way. Not not nearly the same level of player, but good dribbler, good passer. Um, wouldn't be a fan of Johnny Bentley. They, they found him on uh, some lower league team, brought a Bristol, maybe brought him in on, on a cheap deal. Cost is garbage at this point. Joao Gomes is a really fun young midfielder, but I do think that's probably their... I don't want to say strongest 11, but I do think it's probably his go-to 11 mm-hmm. at the moment. I, I do think that's probably his go-to 11 at the moment for for good or bad. Now, gents, you've both dropped the name, as have I, um, of Mr. Paul Tierney, a 43-year-old man, baby, who's wandering <laughs> around in the middle of the uh, in the park there or whatever. It's been, a, it's been a while since I've written the phrase shit ref down as much as I did. <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. It's, it's on the nose, Jim. It's on the nose, but I, I would think. Um, I always thought Tierney was walking around looking like the oldest toddler in the in the in the in the uh, in the vicinity, <laughs> and then you know he went and shaved his head because it was his hair was 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 abandoning him, and now he just literally looks like the oldest toddler in the room, and I can't really express 
There's several of these lads. He looks like a spoon now. That's a good one. Less useful though. Less useful than a spoon. He's he's stealing a living um in, in so many ways. Uh, like like so many of these guys are. And it's not just saying that for the sake of it. Nothing will give me greater pleasure than to either not mention a ref because he was perfectly functional and didn't draw attention to himself, or to be saying, Well, that was a really good decision. This guy's very competent. But we have another lad here. We, last time out we had a guy getting absolutely bullied by Crystal Palace this time out we have a guy who can't seem to manage to he doesn't really know what, what, what ha- what's happening from one minute to the next he seems like he's winging it most of the time I mean let me just get a quick take from both of you because of course this is a, it's a, it, it has a, a massive impact on the game obviously and when he gives decisions like for example the booking of Fabinho for getting slide tackled yeah, uh, getting kicked up in the air when he uh, decides after being sent to the, uh, the, 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 the monitor that he's going to disallow, uh, what was, again, seemed to me a perfectly good goal, but my stream had limited and shit angles on the, um, on the replay. So I, I, I bowed to correction on that. And when he's given these, this succession of just what, what is going on decisions, it just keeps drawing attention to him. And it's just, I'll just get a quick one from each of you. I mean, it, it's it's a little bit of an epidemic, Dave, at this stage, this poor, poor, poor quality. Uh, and it feels almost deliberate. It feels almost like negligence. Why are they this poor? There's really not much reason for it. Lads, we're all old enough to remember the referees in the 90s. And, and the Premier League has always had fairly shit referees. But... At least with the lads in the 90s, they had a little bit of presence about them and they could command the respect of players. And the same in the 2000s. I just feel like with these referees, they just seem like they're these really weak little fellas who are so desperate to make it about themselves and get a little bit of attention for themselves. And Tierney's a prime example of that. I mean, every time I watch a game that Tierney's involved in, and bear in mind, this fella's been reffing in this league since the 14-15 season. So he's not some some young lad who's just been called up. He's been around a long time. He, he Every time I watch him, he just seems to want to make it about him. He wants it to be the Paul Tierney show starring assorted footballers. I, I, like... From tonight, like, the, the the yellow card for Bastic, yes, it's probably a yellow card foul in the 50th minute of a game. Not yeah. that early in a game. Not yeah. that early. You, you can't put a combative midfielder on a yellow card that early when oh. the fella he fouls is pretty much bouncing straight back up. Like, you have to have a bit of give and take with this stuff. You have to understand what the game state as well. Like, it's about managing the game, but it's also about having awareness of the game and of the tempo of the game and of what players are doing and not having lads walking a tightrope for however long it was till Stefan got taken off. That's that's a poor decision. There's a couple of others where, like the Craig Dawson one on Jota on the halfway line. I'm sorry, that's a horror tackle. Mm. Like he goes over the ball, launches himself at Jota, goes over the ball. And we'll talk about Stephen Warnock, but Jesus Christ, like that's a that's a poor one. 
there was the Fabinho one. Fabinho was the one fouled in that in that exchange. Fabinho did not do the fouling. Lamina overran the ball. Fabinho won the ball, got fouled, and somehow ended up getting booked. And then there's the the goal, and, and we can talk about it when, it when it comes to it, but I, I agree with you. I don't think it's a good decision. I can see why he disallowed it, but I don't think it's a good decision. And as he walked away from the monitor, you could see he was like, this is my moment. I'm amazed he didn't take off down towards the fucking Annie Road end and do a sue in front of the Wolves fan <laughs> to celebrate what he was going to do. Like, just yeah. from start to finish, I... I just thought he was really, really poor. Didn't think he had any control on the game, but wanted it all to be about himself. He was Jim. That 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 that. Uh, this is my moment. That I do believe that was a, a, a Martin McCutcheon banger, and I can just imagine Paul blasting that out. <laughs> there's there's what my Jim Bros would call. There's a whiff of uh, what my Jim Bros would call the beta male off. Him. I don't know what it is, but he's just like Andy Madley in the previous game, just like soft as shite, and and nothing. <laughs> do you know nothing about him at all? There's no presence. That's a good point that Dave makes. We, we do go back far enough. We remember the likes of, I mean, you and me remember the likes of Roger Milford and lads yeah. like that. But, but you, you know. But, but you remember like Uriah Rennie? That like type nobody of was fucking with Uriah Rennie. <laughs> nobody was. You weren't getting, you were not going to tell. He was going to referee the game. But he Clive was going to referee the game. You know. and, and, and he understood that he was just there to referee, not play. Yeah, I mean, they've always just to bring you in on this, Jim. They've always been these characters who are look at me individuals. Of course, they have because it, it, why wouldn't that a job like that attract certain individuals like that? But even those guys had enough about them to not brook any nonsense for the majority of it. Um, I don't know. Maybe maybe it's 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 rose tinted glasses time. What do you make of this current crop of referees? It, it feels like it's a recurrent conversation point with us. Well, I think that the, the previous referees. I mean, don't get me wrong. We had some shit refs who had shit games and all the rest of it. That that that's by the by. But I think one thing that's telling is that when those referees were the referees, other sports were starting to put mics on referees so that the viewer at home could hear explanations about what was being said by the ref. But those referees at that time, you wouldn't have been able to put that on family television because they would have been just as foul-mouthed as any of the players, I'm sure. You, you, you could see them swearing back at the players and showing how strong they were. Now we get these sort of, you know, TikTok referees that don't really know what to do when a decision's in front of them. And it reminds me sometimes I'll do a quiz online on the BBC website something like you know the news for the last seven days and I haven't got a clue what happened so I just press C and B and A see how I do oh five out of ten that's not bad and I think that's what it's like with him it's like <laughs> multiple choice referee oh Stefan's foul to one maybe what do we do um See yellow you card, you know. Yeah, yeah exactly. But he's shit at it, but he doesn't care because, of course, the main thing that matters is that his um, that his TikToks are going to get loads of views tomorrow. Because I'm sure that's what he must do afterwards. I, I, I don't want to speak ill of the dead, <laughs> but you, you you both remember Paul Alcock, most famous for Decanio pushing him over like a slight yeah. shove. <laughs> that was an amazing. The, like, that was an amazing. To fall. me, I look at these referees and I think that's the guy you're all trying to emulate this yeah. just soft fella. Because you remember Clive Thomas who actually, I think it was Clive Thomas he actually blew as a corner was being taken in a World Cup. He blew yeah. for full time. I mean none of these referees now would even think of doing that because, no. you know, they're too they're frightened. too scared. Yeah. 
Like you look at and Trev mentioned the Palace players bullying the referee. Like the ball went out of play. He waited a good forty seconds after the game should have been over because Palace still had the ball in the attacking third. And as soon as it went out of play, he blew the whistle. And then they come over to bully him. He should yeah. have blown it before that. Just also, we should we should mention the uh, the fourth official here tonight. I think it was Graham Scott. Is that his name? Yeah. Um, when when Klopp was complaining to him about the Besetic yellow card, like there was just this this arrogance about the way he was kind of talking out the side of his mouth to Klopp, like literally talking at the side of his mouth, not looking at him, kind of sneering at him, and. It kind of, I kind of had a grudging respect for it because Same. it reminded me of the referees <laughs> that, that Jim talked about. Those lads yeah. that would give the players just as much shit as they were giving him. Like, I remember hearing one referee talk about his relationship with Gerard back in the, in the 2000s. And he said he was refereeing a Liverpool game at Anfield. And at, uh, at half time, as the players and the refs were walking off, Gerard jogged by him. And Sarkley went, you had a decent half for once. And he went to Gerard, you were shit. <laughs> I just turned and laughed. And he said, like, I could say that because I had the, the reputation or the, the relationship. He's like, but he was saying that now players don't have the same relationship with referees. Like, the, the Carragher's another one that talks, but, you know, senior players, you might commit a foul, but you'd get your arm around the ref and you'd have a little chat with him because you'd have that relationship with him that you'd build up because you respected the referee. The players have no reason to respect the referee. Oh, like lads like Dave O'Leary used to find out what their kids' names were and yeah. stuff like that, you know, yeah. and then, you know? you know, ask about the wife and the, the how's the new car treating you and all that shit. That was, a, you know, it was, a, it was a, a canny way of going about things, but that Graham Scott lad, you're right, he's like one of those guys he say it a certain amount of the sentence out loud and it'll trail off and at the end of it it'll be a prick yeah. <laughs> exactly. also shout out to one of the assistants today whose name was Constantine which is just fantastic, fantastic. I think he must be of Greek origin based on the surname but uh, Constantine that's a, it's, it's a good name to be walking that's, a strong name that. There you go. It's a bit of, bit of quality. He's not, he's not old cock, is he? You know, that's a different time. <laughs> he's, not, he's not old cock. We'll, uh, we'll get back into the details of the match and we will, in the course of that, talk about the other uh, uh, feature that we had in common that we wanted to chat about, which was, uh, I think, the, the one commentary team we were all subjected to tonight because, yeah. of course, that's the wonders of living in this part of the world as opposed to say you know America where you can get any game you want to get ever uh, here we are very restricted on certain occasions like we were tonight um, and we yeah really yeah my, my, my coverage had to come past past you past Anfield to me all the way from America or wherever yeah it's yeah unbelievable but we'll, we'll get to Stephen Moore <laughs> don't worry about that uh, Jim let's you and I start the first half um, and talk about the events therein uh, we did have a nice flowing move in the I think minute two and the ball sort of um, broke via Mo to Bacetic, who got a strike on target. Um, in the third minute, we needed uh, an Allison save, and I think it might have been potentially their best effort, unless I'm for- forgetting something. Um, 
from the corner Sarabia nearly got to uh, a Jimenez cross after that so there was an attempt that Ali needed to save and then from that corner that um, was given away by the save Sarabia nearly got on the end of a Jimenez cross it was a very shaky minute moment for us or a moment or two for us um, I thought Harvey was quite busy in those opening goings there was uh, at least two dangerous Simicus balls on the five minute mark one of which led to a corner um, the second of them uh, a lovely slide tackle by Batchadige as they count that corner which was um, uh, earned by Simicus' second cross and on the 10th minute or so we saw Fabinho stealing the ball in their box his square ball to Darwin was cut out by Lamina a corner and from that there was a bit of a wild Darwin effort on the volley a great block tackle by Virgil on the 13th minute or so and then soon after that within seconds Ibu was making a sliding tackle forward up the park and, and launching us on a counter uh, and on 14 minutes we got that incident which Dave has already talked about Jim where Batchditch um, is judged to have gone in too late uh, and, uh, and for a yellow card um, and on 24 I might scream crap out for a minute so if there's anything I missed in this um, in that gap it was, I think I missed about five of those 10 minutes. Uh, on the 24th minute, they had to bring on Ait Nuri um, as a result of injury to Bueno. Uh, we saw another crappy ball out of defence by Ali on 28 minutes, which could have caused a little bit of bother, but we got away with it. And I've just got to wrap it up there in around about the half hour mark that for all the Harvey Bacetich chat, it was actually Fabinho that had been in the best positions in their box and was doing Fabinho things. So quite quite a bit going on that first half without too many dramatic incidents, but quite a bit to talk about. What do you want to focus on? Yeah, yeah. I mean, thinking about it, listening back to that now, it's, it's better than my actual memory the first half was. And I think maybe it was the, the latter stages of the second half where you're sort of thinking, for all that good work at the, at the beginning, are we going to start letting ourselves down now by giving the ball away? Because on the whole, we were looking... I wouldn't say sharp as such, it, it, but sharper is maybe the word, less blunt, um, in that opening spell. I mean, that was never a booking. That was, that was a talking to at, at most, you know, that was, um, a talk. And in fact, I don't remember the ref doing that today. That's another sort of, without sort of giving him any more airtime than he's after. Um, there, there was always a thing with refs that you, there was a somewhere between, a getting away with it and a yellow was a talking to and there was no talking to and that that surely surely yeah. was kind of standard in football even even FIFA wouldn't be against that in the World Cup and things so um, it was just a strange decision except you realised it was a spoon making it um, there was I think one you might have missed there was an effort sort of from Jota um, it was a good move from us Salah had got the ball across but he maybe just hit it a bit too fast um, and it was a bit of a difficult effort for Jota that I can remember Um by about, yeah, by about this stage, I think, you know, they had to make a change. They'd had a player off. Um, it was Bueno, wasn't it, who'd gone off? So, um, yeah, the, the decision they think should have been made at, at fullback was made, made for them because of that. Um, but this, this was, um, you know, I think I've got this sort of 28 minutes I've written down, same story, passing out from the back, passes getting cut out. And this is what, what was starting to worry me at the time, that all that sort of impetus and momentum that we'd got in the first maybe 20 minutes was starting to go. I don't know whether that, that there was quite a break for the Wolves player getting treatments, and I don't know whether that maybe just hit into our um, concentration a little bit. You know, it took the sting out of what we were doing a little bit. But that's not an excuse. You know, these are the things that happen in football. You know, other teams do things that mess up your plans. You just need to, you know, 
knuckle down and get back to what you were doing beforehand and you know these are the little things that can make a difference and use too for us so um as as I said though, I mean, I maybe I'm being a little bit picky because we're so much better than we were last time out. And, you know, if, if we're honest and remember back to days when we were coming close to winning leagues and going somewhere in football, the exciting times from the last few years, um, you know, in reality, a lot of those great games that we look back on were a bit crap at times. So really, we were no worse tonight than we had been at times, um, when we thought we were really good. I think that's fair and you're right about these are the things you have to put up with and you have to just get past and within about a few minutes of of, of where we have just broken up there, Lamina went down with some world class shithousing on the back of us looking a bit dangerous uh, and he was on the deck for ages with a wrist injury and then just got up and, and went, got on what I thought that was uh, I, I was I was uh, you know quietly uh, air clapping him Dave at that stage we pick it up around the half hour mark and it's the first note I've made about Stephen Warnock because he saw Jurgen winding uh, up uh, the, the, the uh, getting into a little bit of aggro with the aforementioned uh, um, uh, fourth official and Warnock's take was that it was probably a deliberate attempt to sort of wind up a flat Anfield, which was heartily agreed with by his um, commentator pal. And that's an interesting take, and we'll come back to it, but just worth sticking a flag in that little bit of analysis. Um, Fab then I thought did really well on about 32 minutes to lead a break and then a corner came from that <laughs> around about that time we saw the absolutely comical sight of Mo Salah knocking over Sa and Moutinho in the same little shove um, and the ball did break at that point to Fab and it was a shot blocked uh, after that corner um, the yellow um, from Bacete on uh, Sorry, there's a yellow uh, on about 35 minutes um, for a foul on Bacetic. I can't remember. I think it's Semedo. Um, and Bacetic got a, a bad knock off it. Um, Warlock thought he was being, quote, a bit dramatic. On 39 minutes, Harvey heads wide after a really good move. Shot played in Darwin who crossed and Harvey should do better. It's the first of a couple of really good chances he has. Then there was the Lamina time-wasting thing I mentioned. A great cross-field ball by Darwin on 42 started a decent move, but yet again, as Jim pointed out, the final ball was poor. Then we saw Harvey feigning head injury against Mutino's high foot on 44 minutes, which showed me a side of that kid I didn't know existed. Um, four minutes were added. I've mentioned there again, we were making Dawson look like prime Beresi instead of pound shop lover. And then it was kind of annoying me at that point. 46 minutes in, Harvey had an effort well saved after a Darwin layoff from a really direct um, ball in by Trent, really powerful ball in defeat. Um, we got a corner from that and Darwin headed that one off target. 49 minutes, Sarabia picks up a late yellow uh, for a uh, going in late on Darwin Nunes. So and, and quite a lot of uh, incident there chucked into the second half of that first half. What do you want to pick out of it? I, I thought we were playing quite well. I thought we looked more purposeful. We looked... We look more ambitious. We look more aggressive. You know, there was a couple of sloppy moments that, that Jim highlighted where we were trying to play out from the back and got things a little bit overcomplicated, but, or, or just simple lapses in, in concentration. But I thought we were trying to win a game of football, which is not what we've seen in, in some recent games. Um, I think 
the the Harvey had a chance. He has to score. He has to score. It's such a simple chance. He's six yards out. The ball is the perfect height. Now, maybe he thinks the defender is going to get a knock on it. Maybe he's worried about getting clattered and he doesn't fully commit to it. But if he just puts his eyebrows through that ball, he scores a goal. Um, the second one, the second chance he has off the Darwin chest down, which is is a brilliant ball by Trent and a brilliant layoff by Darwin. Stephen Warnock said that Trent's ball was hopeful, not really aimed at anybody, and that Elliot's shot Jesus. was scruffy. Um <laughs> I want to meet the man who listened to Stephen Warnock do a test run as a co-commentator and made the decision, this is what the general public will enjoy listening to. Because not only is he very monotone, he is utterly clueless. He is one of the worst commentators I've ever heard. And his bias towards... Gammon stands out a mile. Like, he was practically dropping the trousers and reaching for the lube every time Craig Dawson did anything. Didn't mention, by the way, that he was the one that played Virgil onside for our uh, opening goal, but everything else, he couldn't have lauded Dawson anymore. And he was bashing away at Costas throughout the first half. And when... They brought on Adama at half time. He decided that the reason they brought on Adama, other than Sarabia getting booked, was because Costas was having a poor game. And Costas then proceeded to put Adama in his pocket and have a very good second half. So well done on that one, Mr. Warner. But I, I thought we went into the into the break looking purposeful. The, I only wanted to see one change. I wanted Gakbo on for Jota. Jota to me just looks miles off. He just doesn't look like he's anywhere close to the level that we need him to be at. But he's been out for so long that you can't be harsh on him. Like, he he missed, what, four months with a muscle injury. Like, that's going to take him time to get back up to the usual Diogo Jota. But at least he was busy and he was active and he was trying to get involved in the game. But I did feel like if we had Gakpo in there kind of dropping off and getting involved a little bit more, it would have offered more to Mo and to Darwin, and that was probably what we needed to break them down. Um, but no, all in all, I was I was pretty happy with the first half. I thought it was the best half of football we've seen from Fabinho since City at home, whenever that was, November, October, that kind of time. Yeah. So yeah, I, all in all, I was I was fairly fairly positive about the first half. Like I said, the energy and the attitude were the two big things I was looking for tonight. And I, I thought they were hugely improved. Like Virgil, there was an aggression to his game tonight. And he was constantly talking to everybody and urging them forward. And he was urging Ibu and the, and the fullbacks to step up with him and defend the halfway line and do the things that Liverpool do, pin the opposition back. He was directing people where to press and when to press. I thought that was all very positive. So, yeah, at halftime... Despite the lack of, you know, a real clear-cut opportunity bar the Harvey one, I was quite enthused by what I'd seen for the most part. 
Yeah, lots to like. And uh, Jim, to start the second half with you, uh, that was my thought as well. Uh, you can comment whether or not you thought there'd be any changes at halftime if you like. I, I was hoping for that specific one, um, tweeted something about it as well, to see to see uh, Gakbo come on. On for for Jota, but delighted in the end that Jota was persevered with because he has been having attempts and he finally ended up with an assist. And we'll get talking um, about the very first of Liverpool's goals in a second now, um, but we'll build up to it with the details of that second half. They had to take off um, Sarabia and bring Toure on to start that second half. Um, Quite decided as always, glist, glistering in the uh, Anfield uh, headlights uh, or um, overhead lights as he comes on. But um, less, <laughs> less, less, less I say about that, the better. To be honest with you, because if, if you if you if you were throwing shapes like that on a on an Irish football field of any variety, you'd be soon told uh, what to do with yourself. Anyway, it's we have a name to the other though, isn't it? From the the greasy arms is is the sort of opposite extreme to the having a towel at the side a pitch to dry your hands for the long throws it's, it's well do you know what Jim both too extreme if I, if I if I was playing up against Adama Traore and find myself block uh, marking him or going up against him in any way shape or form I would get a fucking towel like exactly. Harriet <laughs> and I'd be wiping the bollocks every time I went past him there, there's more of your little uh, this whole line that was put out by his PR machine obviously then it's to stop people grabbing his arms fuck off that's just <laughs> horse shit. That is absolute horse shit. It's a pure vanity act. And anyone who tells you otherwise is talking through their proverbial. And, and, and listen to this, listen as well, right? He has said himself he doesn't lift weights. Yeah, I remember that. Well, one. then he is taking all the steroids and doing incredible amounts of calisthenics. Is he the kit man as well? Is he. Carrying all the kit, is he? Does he push the coach? He's, I reckon he's pushed, literally. There's no engine in the bus. It's just him at the back shoving it up it. the road. There's no it. way he's got because I've seen. I remember him at Barcelona as a young lad, and he yeah. was nowhere near built like this. Like he, he turned all. up at, at Villa, and he he looked like he was chunky, like, and then he went to Borough on loan. And again, he got bigger, and then he turns up at Wolves, and he looks like the Hulk. Like he looks like if if you wanted to replace Captain America or something, this is the fella you call on. There's no way that's there's just there's no way that's natural without some sort of unless he's lifting. Like I said, unless he was lifting massive amounts of weights, but he claims he does, and I just don't think you get that from calisthenics. You know the look. That's not cal- calisthenics. Is a completely different shape. You end up, you end up like a, a an inverted triangle. Yeah, that is not what you look like on calisthenics. That is absolutely dedicated. I'm like, there's, there's, there's dudes like that walking around me most evenings. I know what it looks like. There's no way that that's. What has he got? Like a, a fucking tungsten teacup that he keeps lifting up and down, drinking tea all day. <laughs> that's the thing. Like, you know, absolute horseshit. It's just, it's just, it's just bananas. Maybe he's uh, carrying those fucking huge bottles of grease from the garage to his living room all the time he's doing <laughs> he goes he goes there swimming go. in engine oil fills up the <laughs> arms chicken and the egg story is sort of there. one move there by Jim but the, the story about oiling himself up I'm sorry like fuck off <laughs> fuck it's, it's to stop people grabbing at him like yeah, they just grab his jersey then like nonsense 
just glide by, you know. Wow. Uh, here, here, here's uh, that's that's anyway. That's the early goings. I, I apologize for the the um, the diversion there. I just uh, I had to get that off my chest. There was an early Trent effort, Jim, blocked by the aforementioned Superman that is Dawson. Uh, Bacetich lost the ball as he did on a few occasions because he was doing Bacetich things, turning in and out of uh, difficult situations into further complicated situations. And as after he lost the ball on about the fifty-four minute to be fair Simicus did very well in a 1v1 against Traore to kind of early mark his cards there was a yellow for Fab this one we spoke about before from um, Man Baby um, in the middle there uh, when Lamina slide tackled him and Fab ended up in the air and without any choice where to put his feet uh, I can only assume that our man interpreted that as some sort of a dangerous stamping motion or something it's it's bananas um, on 54 minutes uh, Harvey has another effort is that his third I think saved after a good direct ball by Darwin Nunes into him um, a fantastic run down the left hand side by Nunes down on 57 three minutes later only but his cross wasn't what it should have been um, Jota nearly got in two minutes after that on 59 Kilman had to put in a last inch block tackle um, to stop that. We had a fantastic flowing move on 66 minutes, um, led by Trent Alexander-Arnold um, with his cross eventually cleared by Dawson. And then, Jim, and we'll, we'll do the disallowed goal and the real goal. And I'll start then with the second goal with Dave and see it through to the end. Um, the first goal disallowed is from Darwin Nunes. Jota had driven kind of through um, the middle of their defence, and to me seemed to be fouled but apparently some movement deliberate movement he makes with his leg means he is the aggressor uh, and uh, when the ball broke to Darwin uh, who finished it nicely cutting in and finish it uh, it goes to VAR for this proposed foul on Kilman by Jota um, it takes a while it takes another while Tierney has to go to the monitor. He's loving all this. He comes back. He does his little square in the air and it's ruled out. And that, according to Stephen Warlock, Stephen Warlock, ex-Liverpool player, is the beauty of VAR. Mm. So it's back to nil-nil. Neves got a yellow for descent during all of that. And on 72 minutes, Jim, we are one up. And it's nice that it only took four minutes for us to um, punish that stupid decision. Uh, it's Virgil van Dijk, uh, a great Trent delivery in. Uh, Virgil kind of shoulders a goalward and it's a decent save by Sa um, uh, but he can only touch it wide and Jota puts in a nice little half volley cross that Virgil is there to nod home and you can't disallow that one as one of the goals one of those goals you could celebrate in real time because you can see the direction of the the cross and where everybody was and all the rest of it so that was very nice although they did put the heart fucking crossways in me on the first replay Warnock again saying oh he might be offside here when he was clearly wasn't so talk to me about those uh, that, that first half of that first half including the disallowed goal the scored goal and the several uh, other little moments there anything you want to pick out yeah I mean one of the things I, I noticed was maybe a few minutes into that half I realised just how much louder the ground was um, you know if, if yes. we're talking about a lack of effort from anyone the, the home fans weren't putting the effort in that you'd like to like to see them put in um, 
on a Wednesday night under the floodlights and all the rest of it. But by that second half, the, the effort was well and truly being put in. And I think it was sustained. And that, that is another thing that makes a difference. And whether it's the players that get the crowd up for it or whether it's the, the crowd being up that gets the players up for it, chicken and egg again, but it works when, you know, these two things go hand in hand. So that was good. Um, the, the thing that hit me about the Fabinho booking was one thing was his look of utter shock at being booked. I mean, there's the Fabinho pretending to be shocked look that you sometimes see. But this was, he was genuinely shocked that he was being penalised. And it was only a few minutes before that, as I've written down, Dawson kills Jota, play on. I can't even remember the exact incident now as such, but I mean... I remember enough that it was um it was a kind of foul that if you're going to let that one go, we shouldn't have had that booking after 14 minutes. And we certainly shouldn't have had that booking a few minutes later. So anyway, ref's getting more attention than he should. Um, there was, <laughs> yeah, I mean, another thing I think I enjoyed as well that I wrote down was a little bit of a, a moment from Ibu when he just sort of almost seemed to lose the ball, but then he won it back and then he just kept going and... You know, sort of those little moments that someone like that can have, you know, he's your centre half and he just suddenly likes the game up a little bit. And again, there's these little things that were making a difference in this half. Lots and lots of these things, lots and lots of this positive play from us, from all of our players, which we've missed, haven't we? I'm so we glad had Virgil overlapping down the left wing at one yeah. point as well, which is just <laughs> fucking brilliant. Like. It's just lovely. It's good to see. And the it's confidence that it's, you can it's do the that. Even lads that are comfortable on the ball. Like, they all want the ball. They all want the opportunity to make an impact. They're not trying to hot potato it away and, and, you know, give it away to somebody as quickly as possible. They all wanted the ball tonight. They wanted to make things happen. And this this is just speaks to the attitude of the players tonight as well. Like, they just yeah. wanted to win that game of football. Yeah, and this no was a, this, so. yeah, playing as a team, playing with each other, looking, yeah. helping each other out, you know, being with it, having each other's back. Everyone makes a mistake, but if, if one of your mates is there to help pick up the pieces for you, it doesn't matter because these, you know, it's making the mistakes. You, you've got to be brave. If you're brave enough, mistakes will happen, but good things can happen as well. And, you know, we were brave as well. I mean, that's maybe another word to use for tonight. And, um, it was interesting that they brought their subs on on the hour mark. Eventually it was just after the hour mark, but, you know, that was their sort of planned substitution almost, but we, you know, as much as you were saying you wanted Klopp to make changes at halftime, maybe, maybe for once he was thinking, no, I'm going to, I know what I'm doing. I'll, let's see what they do. And nothing they did made him, made him worry. And then that goal, I mean, the, so the beauty of VAR, um, if you want to call it the beauty of VAR, the beauty of VAR goes out the window when you're watching on a stream that's delayed by a few minutes because football in this country isn't for people of this country, even though it's only been played down the road. And we've got to watch on a stream from wherever it was, Hong Kong, I'm not sure. Um, so I actually got a notification on my phone that I stupidly looked at to be, and the notification said, correction, Liverpool nil, Wolves nil. And then on my TV, Nunez scored. So I already knew it was disallowed. Oh. So so, you know, but watching it unfold, I did see that. And I, and I heard Stephen Warnock, who was, he can say he's a former Liverpool player, but I'm not sure it's the main sort of entry on his CV, really, in terms of how long he was here and, and what he achieved. But um, he, now, I, I don't think it's true. But if I was told that the VAR gets to hear that commentary while they're watching the match... It was as if he was telling the VAR what to do. Yeah, there's a was. foul here. I couldn't see it. I thought, if anything, if anything, it was a, if it was anything, it was a good decision to play on because that could have been a pen. I don't need a VPN. I've got nothing to hide. <laughs> this is what I used to tell myself before I hooked up with LibertyShield.com. Not only is my home internet now fully encrypted. 
but I can now access all the websites I want, whenever I want, and do so from absolutely anywhere. As a Liverpool fan, I love to know I can now watch every match, regardless of whether it's on UK TV or not. My Liberty Shield VPN makes sure nothing is blocked and guarantees me super fast streaming speed throughout that match. You can get connected right now with their software package, which includes a 48-hour no-obligation free trial and instant access to their apps for Apple, Android, Fire TV, PC, Mac, and Android TV. Or go a step further like I have and get one of their pre-configured VPN routers. These small but powerful devices allow you to easily connect every device in your home to VPN, making it the perfect solution for smart TVs, magboxes, and games consoles. Visit libertyshield.com today and use coupon code AIVPN25 to get 25% off at checkout. But I you know, thought Semedo shoved. Like, Semedo... Jota loses the ball and tries to get around Semedo, and Semedo sort of steps into him. Yeah. And shoves them off balance, and that's why he catches Kilman. And you've seen like, those, and you've seen those given us penalties time and time again. A hundred percent. And then, like Warnock is like, Kilman is in complete control of the ball. No, he's not. He knocked it three yards ahead of himself. And there wasn't Darwin enough. Darwin was th- getting that ball regardless. And that wasn't to me. That wasn't what qualifies as um, whatever it is. A clear and obvious error. You know, the, the VR should have been thinking. Oh, he's. It was a bit of a tangle in the box at worst. Let's just ignore that. And for whatever reason, they didn't. Whether they're overcompensating because of that, all the stuff that went on with VAR the previous time we played, and we played them so many times, I'm not sure which match it was. Was it the FA Cup? Um, I don't know. But it, it was it was just it was just bad officiating. Um, and the thing is, when you're given the chance to go and look at things on the screen, you don't have to change the decision. <laughs> It, you know, the reason you go into the screen is because it's not totally clear. And if that referee was spending a bit less time looking like a spoon and a bit more time looking like a referee, he'd have said, <laughs> no, I was right, it's a goal. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, the thing is, why is he even going to look at it? Like, it's yeah. either a foul or it's not. And if the VAR can't tell him outright, yeah, that's a foul, you need to give a free kick, then don't say it. Like, this, this is the cop-out that referees have gotten because... The, the biggest issue with VAR, there's, there's no beauty to VAR. There could be, but they're too cowardly to implement it properly. The issue we have with VAR in the Premier League is that the VAR are too scared to overrule referees now yeah, because a number of referees were known to have had tantrums and to have confronted VARs when they met them in person at Stockley Park or wherever it is that they have their headquarters because they didn't want to be made to look foolish because they'd made a mistake. So now we've got this cop out where rather than tell them, I think it's a foul. You should give a free out. They're just sending them to the monitor and making it look like the referee or giving the referee the option. Cause every time they go to the monitor, they overrule what happened on the pitch every time. Do you, do the other thing as well is that referee loves that moment as well. Oh, he's got to go to the screen because it's being chased by three different cameras and they're yeah. zooming in on him and they're watching him from all different angles and yeah, they love it. But like they give, they give players shit for wasting time and they book players for wasting time and then they waste three minutes I mean, I, wandering I, over to the screen and then wandering back. And the thing that gets me is is when they come back, they always wait till a little gap in the the crowd of players clears so that they know the camera's right on them and it's yeah. their moment and then they they show the decision. Like, 
in in rugby we've had VAR for years, union and, and league. Uh-huh. And the thing that's great about it is you can hear the conversation between yeah. the referee and the VAR. We see and, that's accountability that keeps yeah. them honest. That keeps them that's honest. The thing. And he tells you and, and exactly and he tells you that if, if they're breaking the new the, the, the decision on some little nuance of a rule that you maybe didn't know about or or didn't yeah. understand, all of a sudden, okay. Even if you still don't agree with it, you understand why they made the decision and um Would you, do you remember that do you remember that clown got caught um in a, in in a ma- making a massive decision against Liverpool, uh, I didn't, the name escapes me. He's retired since, but it was basically like, um, what's Lee going Mason. on here? Fucking Lee Mason, what's going on here? Uh, what's, what, uh, um, uh, he just at one stage he's listening to uh, the linesman giving him evidence as to why oh, he's yeah, against Spurs and with he says, the penalty on." I, I, I'm 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 giving a penalty. He just goes, "Fuck it, I'm giving a penalty." That's basically. Yeah. He said, yeah. it, there was no logic to it and he was badly exposed. This is what I'm talking about by keeping them accountable and honest. There, there wasn't half enough made of that. That guy should have been done because there was no logic or, or train of thought there at all. It was just like he panicked and said, I'm going to make a call here, not based on anything. Um, when in fact he was being given con- contrary advice. I agree with you completely. That should, should be all mic'd up and there for everyone to John listen. John Moss. John oh Moss. yeah, what a name! John Moss. He's John yeah, Moss. The, 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 the linesman said to him outright that day, "It's offside unless you can tell me that the that Lovren touched the ball. If Lovren didn't gonna... touch the ball, it's offside." Oh, I didn't see it. Did you see anything? And he calls to the fourth official. Did you see anything on the cameras when they weren't allowed to do that? Of course, yeah, yeah. And, and then he turns around and goes, "Oh, fuck it, I'm giving a penalty." Like, yeah. That. 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 That question in itself should have blown the sport wide open, the refereeing, because did you see anything on the cameras? Because at that moment yes. in time, it was completely taboo to go near any camera. They yeah. weren't supposed to look at the big screen or anything. That was why replays weren't shown a lot of the time um, in the ground, not just because He's they thought the fans might the, kick the off. the top men in the PGMOL well, as there's well, a surprise. Which, is, which is really worrying. It's like a little Masonic group, isn't it? <laughs> You've got him, Kevin Friend, Martin Atkinson, Alan Wiley... And Howard Webb, all of whom were shit as referees, and they're um, all involved. And we wonder why the standard of refereeing is so poor. Can you imagine what it's like imagine? a referee university? You know, day one. <laughs> Fuck sake. Well, I'm just, I'm just thinking about this Mason style meeting, <laughs> red cloaks and talking shit to each other. This is remarkable stuff. That's a mental picture. I'm not going to forget quickly. Um, just one thing as well to mention, uh, because he's going to be mentioned here in passing for being taken off. Uh, soon after the goal goes in, Dave. I didn't even we talk about just... the goal after that, did I? Just think about it. No, no, I don't think we did. But I thought <laughs> we, 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 you can absolutely go back to ours. But the the um, the one of the things Jim and yourself were talking about there, both in separate moments, was about the sort of bravery and the concept of showing for each other and the concept of wanting the ball. Now, a fellow who should, by rights, be going around sporting a depression beard at this stage is Trent Alexander-Arnold because his form did fall off a cliff and then everybody seemed to just completely lose all faith in him. And it's been a difficult time for the kid, who's still a kid, we must remember. Uh, and it was great to see him look a bit more like himself tonight, in, though, mm. in that aspect of the game specifically. But then it's all right showing and it's all right having the bravery to make these overlapping runs or try to take off these impressive passes. But they were connecting tonight. and that Yeah, because that, he, he had options, Trev. The problem yes, for Trent yeah. has been he hasn't 
you can tell Trent very much wears his heart in his sleeve and you can tell early in games when Trent starts to get pissed off and he does tend to start walking quite a, a tight line you know between losing the rag and not losing the rag and against Palace he seemed to get frustrated really early on in the game at the lack of options to play into midfield. And every time he played the mid ball into midfield, he was just getting pinged back to him. And nobody wanted to take accountability. But today he was able to give it and go and get it back. And he could then look for the, the longer option. he keep it short again. He had three lads in midfield, all willing to take the ball in under pressure. All mm. happy to take the ball in, draw a second man and release Trent into a bit of space. He had Mo dropping a bit deeper for him as well. So he just had players a lot closer to him. And I do think having Ibu there is a huge boost for Trent. Yeah, to be fair, that is. Because that guy is a really special defender. Like he is, he's enormous for starters. He's a proper, proper big unit. But he's so good and so composed. And I have to have a little pop at one of our colleagues here. Brundish had a go at, at Ibu when Ibu bought a free kick in our box when Nuri knocked it round him and kind of put his hands on him and Ibu went down fairly easily. Now, it's a it's a, a definite foul. He puts his hand on him and pulls him back. Could Ibu have shrugged it off and gone and just cleared the ball? Yeah, he could have. But you have to have that cynical side to your game because when you come up against the really top teams... They're going to have that cynical side to them. They're going to be a lot more street smart. They're going to, you know, walk among the dark arts. And we need a couple of lads who do that. And I yeah. think Ibu's very good at it. I think he's really good as a centre back at buying free kicks. And I think he's very good at getting the referee on his side early in games. He seems, when he speaks to referees, he seems very polite and respectful. I think that helps him. In that, I'm assuming. I'm assuming it's huge. Like, if, if if he falls over, you just think, "Oh, he's been fouled." There's no other reason he'd be on the floor. I'm assuming size take wasn't agreeing with the Stephen Warlock camp, which was saying um, basically that it was a bit. He was acting a bit soft, and there wasn't much in it. And then when he was shown the replay of the two arms going around the midriff. He said, well, I, I, I started stammering. I had to no, Sai so, so said he'd like our big lads to play like big lads, and that Ibu should stop cheating. And I, I just I couldn't I couldn't uh, disagree okay. more with right what right right right, right. okay that was I think yeah. I, I I wish that our players we could always say never ever ever cheated or anything but in the game the way it's played nowadays you lose you an advantage to. because everyone else does you know and he, I mean what you pointed out earlier Trev that side of Harvey to um, to feign a head injury almost you know a kick to the head that didn't actually happen you know these yeah. these are the these are the moments where we've, we've been undone by those moments if, with teams doing that to us if you want a prime example of why honesty doesn't pay look at Mo Salah yeah. and look at the way he gets pulled and dragged and kicked non-stop throughout every single game and rarely gets a free kick. He's normalised it for himself. He's, he's normalised it for himself That's because he's so strong and he's such a, such a brilliant attitude. He had some uh, stat there recently where I think like Grealish wins a, a, a free kick every 29 touches of the ball or somewhere in that kind of ballpark, like a very low number. Is that, like, is that over players. about four months? 
like, if you think yeah, of it, though, like, if he's though. winning a free kick every 29 touches. That's two to three free kicks every game. Mm-hmm. Mo is winning one, I think it was like 100 touches or something ridiculous, which is like about one every two games. So, like, that's a huge disparity considering how much more Mo has of the ball than Jack Grealish, who's only a squad player, and how much more Mo is actually fouled than Grealish, who's merely a diver. But because Grealish is a good diver, he wins a lot of free kicks and penalties. And I, I you know, when we had Suarez, Fella used to throw himself on the ground at anything. Remember the Norwich game? where he hurled himself on the ground and pretended he was hurt. And then we won the ball back and he immediately shot up off, off, that, off to his feet and went all to score. Time like, and time again, Suarez would do that. He'd, he'd, he'd be fouled and he'd be walking around like he'd been, like he's, he's, he'd been, um, he had really bad sciatic is the nicest way I can put it. Like he'd been shot in the buttock or something. And then <laughs> the, the defender who was supposed to be watching him would think, ah, he's knackered and would almost yeah. lose interest. Next thing, Suarez is fine. And he did that, mu- mu- he did that and a lot. And we adored him for yeah. it. Give me more of that. Give me more lads like that. Yeah. And uh, like yeah. That, that lad who came on at the end today who's a shadow of his former self. I mean, I, I would say I never liked him as a player because he was against us, but I remember yeah, at a game at Anfield, yeah, Costa thinking if he was our play, we would love him. Yeah, same. I started following a, a, a an account on Twitter. I'm going to have to, I'll give him a shout out the next day. It's, but it's basically like Davo La or something. I've started retweeting a lot of the videos. They're all videos from 70s and 80s. And you want to see, you want to see the dark arts. There are some <laughs> fantastic little sequences there featuring the likes of Graham Sunez and people like that who are in a totally different category. But then again, as we've often said before, that was basically a different sport if we're being perfect be honest Jim I'm going to finish the show with you in a minute Dave let's finish out the game and get your final thoughts now before we go too long on this because we do have a goal to talk about another one um, pretty much within four minutes of the uh, first we have our second in the interim Gakpo comes on for Jota and we go 2-0 up on 77 minutes it is Mo Salah beautiful work between um Simicus and the new boy who's just come in a lovely little 1-2 great return ball by Cody and Simicus is on his bike into space great pace at that start, stage of the game and an unerring kind of delivery uh, which is again you know when Robbo wasn't at his best something we were really mm. missing it's nice to see it and Mo was pretty unerring with his finish as well to sweep it home lovely goal really classic Liverpool goal but high pace um, good technique great sort of movement all those things you want to see we did take on Henderson for back in 78 Costa uh, Diego Costa came on for Jimenez at the same time um, next thing of note I have is that we bring on in 86 minutes um, Jim Milner and uh, Bobby Firmino for Darwin and Trent uh, four minutes got added I think the only thing of note in that injury time was a half dangerous ball in by Podence on about the 91st minute or so so if you want to mention the goal please do and then just give us your wrap up thoughts and let people know what's coming up from you during the week yeah, I think the two goals are actually very good. The first one is a great delivery from from Trent. Um, Virgil should probably score the first time around, but it kind of comes off. I think he heads it onto his shoulder, maybe. Jota reacts brilliantly and just you know put it back in the mix. Virgil finishes well. Um, the second goal is a proper Liverpool goal. Like, it's a proper Liverpool goal. It's Gakpo in that 
old Bobby Roll dropping off and linking it with one of the fullbacks and that fullback just getting on his bike. We had numbers going into the box, which was great to see that late in the game. So many of our lads making a burst <coughs> to get in the box. And then what I liked with Costas was he delayed the cross and he made sure he was picking the right option. And all it had to do was hit Mo, which it basically did. It just hits him and deflects in. All Mo has to do is cushion it. There's no, there's no effort for Mo there. That's really clever from Costas. And I thought he had a very good game today. I, I don't know what Stephen Warnock was watching, but I mean, the same fella said Ray and Nuri's not good defensively and he came on and was very good defensively as he generally is. Um, I, I thought Costas was really good. I thought, after a little bit of a shaky start in some of their possession play, I thought the defence really stepped up and I thought they looked like a proper Liverpool defence again. The midfield looked like a proper midfield, functional. I know there's some question marks and Harvey's not ideal there, but what I did like, and, I, and this is not a dig at, at, at anybody, but Fabinho had his best outing in, in months and months today and two of the biggest reasons were he had lads either side of him that were comfortable taking the ball under pressure. So he had options when he needed to get rid of it. But he also had lads either side of him that actually wanted to pull their weight defensively. And Harvey is like a, he's like a little puppy chasing a toy or like a dog chasing a car. He's, he's Albi Moreno reborn in that he doesn't really know what he's going to do when he gets to the ball, but he's going to get there and he's going to try anyway. Harvey at least will put a shift in. Basetic puts a shift in. That's something that's been lacking massively is having Fab flanked by two lads willing to work their asses off and able to work their asses off. Able to run and run and run endlessly. And I thought, I thought Basetic, like his passing today was, I thought, quite poor at times. I thought he was a little bit sloppy, made a couple of bad decisions, but. That kid got booked on, what, 14 minutes or something? Yeah. And it didn't stop him putting himself into tackles. Like, about a minute after he got booked, he was he heading straight into another tackle. And I think that type of thing, that bravery to go and win the ball back is something that we've lacked. And Fabinho fed off that today as well. And, you know, even after he, he got booked, which was ridiculous decision he was going hurling himself into tackles again so I really liked having that combination in midfield of two lads who were there to win the ball protect the defense and set a platform for the others to go and play do you know like I, I remember reading interviews with people like Ronnie Whelan and I know you've spoken to Ronnie a couple of times but Ronnie used to say like my job was to get it and give it to the better players and like Ronnie was a phenomenal ball player, but he had that selfless mindset of, if I'm in central midfield, my job is to get it and give it to the lads that will win us the match. And I thought Fab and Bastic tonight kind of epitomised that. Get the ball, give it to the match winners, and, and hold your position. And do this selfless dog work that no one's going to thank you for, but that will win you games. Like This is what Fab and Ginny did for us for years that selfless dog work sitting in front of the defense nothing about it is glamorous but they were unbelievably effective and i thought tonight the two boys were really effective as well so just wanted to mention though them and 
it was it was just it's nice to win a game and and at no point did it feel like we were in any danger which was great <laughs> at no point did it feel like we were slipping let, gonna let it slip like I know that you mentioned that Pedence ball late on Virgil just levers <laughs> levers Costa onto his arse like but you know aside from a couple of poor decisions that were made uh, by one of the subs when he came on and decided to go and press people on the wrong side of the pitch all in all I, th- I thought it was a, a nice calming game from a, a, a good team that if it wasn't for a shitty referee and a fucking clown on commentary I, I would have enjoyed a lot more <laughs> and uh, as for yourself the usuals in terms of podcasts anything um, new or strange or interesting uh, outside of your usual routine Dave uh, no I I will have the two footed in the daily red for the rest of this week I'm not around next week at all uh, that could stretch it'll be a week probably it could be a little bit longer We'll, we'll have to see. Um, so, yeah, there'll be a scouted for the United game that we'll record tomorrow, maybe Friday. And I'm going to make you do uh, another buzz at some point soon as well. But it, if, if it's not before, I have to take some time away. It'll be after that. Um, but, yeah, other than that, everything will just be as normal. Um, just want to give a quick mention. Uh, some people will know at NazT196 on Twitter. I uh, just wanted to give a little mention. This guy works for an international aid organization and has spent the last three weeks in Turkey uh, working with, you know, the, the recovery mission there and, and, you know, trying to help the people who've been hugely affected by this horrendous tragedy. Um, so just shout out to him because that is... That's incredibly selfless work, and it, it's got to be really, really hard. But, uh, it, you know, we, we need more people to do work like that. So shout out to him. I think that's an amazing thing, an amazing vocation to have in life. Fair play indeed. Um, Jim, to finish off with your final thoughts then on the um, on the match in general, uh, your overall take, uh, and just a heads up to, for people at the end there before we finish off about what you've got coming up. Um, where do you want to take us to wrap this up? Yeah, I mean, I just want to quickly mention, because I didn't really mention that first goal, that lovely free kick from Trent. Um, I love the way they lined up like a zip, him and Costas, uh, which one which one was going to be pulled, if you like, to go towards the ball. And then that, that just lovely ball in from Trent and that is that's the Trent Alexander-Arnold that, that we've loved this last few years and as you say he is just a kid still um he's gonna you know if we can keep him at his best and get him at his best you know he's someone that we brings us so much um so much joy and does it to the rest of the team and I think um Interesting tonight was reactions. I'm sure Klopp mentioned that in one of his recent interviews was one of his issues with us was the way we re- we react into things. And, um, I mean, tonight quick, in quick succession, some good reactions was, you know, goal ruled out by VAR, didn't have heads down, reacted to it by scoring not long afterwards, reacted to that rather than thinking the job's done. We've got a goal up. We can react, relax. No, went and got a second. Um, and then as you, and as, as you said, Dave, you know, that it, it got a bit end to end at times towards the end, but I never really felt worried. And then, there was just that those nice little bits of necessary gamesmanship, if you like, where as, as well as the stuff we mentioned, you know, Ali was just taking time. You know, the, the thing we've seen so many goalies do at Anfield, where you know they think they're going to take the goal kick from the right corner of the box, but then they wander over to the left, and then they're going to kick it sharp. Then they change the man and kick it long, all that kind of stuff. You know what? I'm sick of us having it done to us. So if now and again we do it to them, it's good, good, good stuff. Kill the game off completely, but. 
probably didn't need it tonight because I was so confident as that game went on. And a lot of that's down to everyone doing more than just their own job. Um, as, as we've alluded to, you know, it's that, that thing where, Trent's going to get forward. He's not going to do it if he doesn't feel that he can trust whoever's sort of alongside him in the back four. He's not going to, he's not going to do, do what he does if he can't trust the midfielders that are near him when he's further forward and, not, and so on and so forth. It works all the way through, you know, just as we know that when we're, when we're playing well and we're a little bit under the cosh, our front men are back helping out at the back as well. Um, other than that, I think, let's face it, roughly speaking, we've done so far this show's about as long as the last one we did, and it's been a much better one hour, 20 minutes than the last one. And I'd say we didn't put anywhere near as much effort in tonight as the players did, which is the opposite to how it was on Saturday. <laughs> um, I've got, um, there is a Scouts of Tommy's. We did one early on this week, so it's kind of, it does a little bit look ahead to the Wolves game to tonight. So have a listen to that and have a laugh at whether we got it right or wrong. And we're definitely going to do another one before the weekend because obviously next game up is the Manx and there's only one you know apart from Everton they're the biggest enemies we've got so we're going to have to do a Scouser Tommy's about that aren't we it is contentastic to be fair that fixture uh, for me keep an ear out for myself and Big Yan tomorrow evening doing will be on the spot and we'll be back for a roll with you for that United game if you have any sense about you you'll be listening to whatever it is that Dave Hendrick and Jim Boardman are doing and getting your ear holes around it I've been Trev that was Jim that was Dave this was Raw and we'll be back at the weekend take it easy Sports Social Podcast Network